chose to worship with us this morning. Uh, we've had a we had a really good week. It's been a crazy week for a lot of us, but uh, we had a really good night at the movies on Friday. We went to see the resurrection of Gavin Stone. Those of you who were able to come, well, that was fun, wasn't it? We should be able to do that every week. It was super fun. If you haven't gotten a chance to go see the movie, would you do that? I, I know that my beautiful wife is hopefully going to get a chance to go this afternoon, and I know that some of you weren't able to on Friday. Go get your tickets. Go see the movie. Invite some friends because um, the movie is put out by Vertical Church Films. That's kind of under the umbrella of our church planting network that we're involved with. And it, it, it depicts the kind of church that we really want to be. And so we've joined in with other Harvest Bible chapels around the world in this uh, preaching series. This is what we do. Uh, because we want to take a good look at who we are and how we act as a church. And so last week, just to recap a little bit, uh, we saw that we welcome without judgment. And it does not matter your race or your background, your position, your popularity. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter. We're glad you're here. And we're going to welcome you without judging you. And we had some fantastic discussion going on in our small group. And I'm sure that you guys did as well. In fact, one of our ladies, uh, Miss Lauren, Witherspoon up there. Thank you for your service, by the way. Miss Lauren, while we, were, while we were in our small group discussion, she just made this awesome observation. If we're going to welcome without judgment, that's going to take all of us. I mean, you think about it. It only takes one of us who's judgmental towards anybody who walks in our doors, and as soon as they walk out of here, what are they saying about our church? Welcome without judgment. That's not what they do. I'm telling you, this is what we do. We're going hard after this. And so if you would take your Bibles this morning, go with me to John chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, would you just raise your hand uh, real quick? One of our uh, ushers would be glad to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, just take that one with you. We want you to have it, and we want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. And we're going to be in John chapter 13 this morning. And here's what we're learning today. You've already heard it. This is what we do. Uh, look up here. Here's the big idea. You ready for this? We love without condition. We love without condition. What is it that we say at the end of every service around here? Every Sunday, what's the last thing we say before we head out the door? What is it? Man, I love that. You are loved. And is that true? Is that true of us? Can, can we honestly say we love, and I know we've asked this question before, we're going to ask it again. I think it's wise for us to kind of take stock and assess uh, reality. How are we doing? Uh, what are we known for? What are we known for around here? We want to be known, I hope we're known for biblical preaching. I hope we're known for great worship. So thankful for our worship team and everybody and all the work that goes into this so that we can come before the throne room of God. I hope that we're known for that. I hope we're known for our excellence in our ministry in Harvest Kids, and I hope we're known for excellence in everything. But if, if we're good at anything, if we're known for anything, let it be this, that, that we love. That we love. And we could be a really good at all sorts of things. But if we don't love, then we're just making a lot of noise, right? So we're going to go after this this morning, that we want to be known as a church that loves anybody who comes into contact with Harvest Bible Chapel Fairfax. They should walk away saying, now that's a church that loves unconditionally. 
That's kind of a community you want to be a part of, right? And people are hungry for this. They're looking for community. People are starving uh, for love. And unconditional love, quite frankly, is pretty shocking. There is nowhere else in the world where you can go and find this. So it has to be true of Jesus' church. This is what we do. We love without condition. So if that's going to be true of us, I'm telling you it's going to stand out in northern Virginia. And we're going to see God work powerfully here. So let's read our Bibles. We'll see it right here in the text. John chapter 13. Um, We're going to be looking at just two verses, but I'm going to get a little bit of a running start. Verse 31. You follow along with me as I read John chapter 13, verse 31. It says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Watch this. A new commandment I give to you, that you what? You love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. God, I'm praying that you would meet with us this morning. We've uh, worshipped your name. We, we declare and sing your praise. It's your breath in our lungs and we're pouring it out because you're so worthy of it. You are an awesome, awesome God. And you're a holy God. And we recognize that you are a consuming fire. And so we come in reverence and we come uh, with awe, but we also come boldly into your throne room because of Jesus. Not because of us, not because of our performance, but because we've been loved by Christ. and We are made righteous so that we can stand before you. And it's reminding us that we can have a relationship with you. You love us. You care for us. And we want to be a church that emulates that. We want this to be a place where people come in and anybody who walks through our doors can say, there's a place where I found love without condition. You teach us to love like you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we love without condition. And if we're going to do that, here's what it's going to take. Write this down. Commit to His command. Commit to His command. Uh, You see this command right here in verse 34, but just to kind of give you a little bit of context, this is actually part of uh, a much larger section of Scripture here, what we call the upper room discourse, okay? Jesus is up in the uh, upper room having the Last Supper with His disciples, and He says, you see it here in verse 33, uh, He says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. He's He's basically, he knows that he's just hours from his arrest. It's going down tonight. And so uh, he knows that he's about to go to the cross. And so everything that he's saying right now is kind of like his last words, like the last things that I need to get out. And so here's what he says, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. And maybe uh, if you're the disciples, you're kind of like, now? Like this, like, 
This is like, we're at the last minute and you want to tell us something brand new that we've never heard before and we're in the middle of the last supper. I don't, I don't have anything to write this down with. And what, what is it? What is it? Um, that you would love one another. Love one another. Somebody feels like raising their hand and, and kind of saying, um, I actually think I've heard that before. Right? Um, like this isn't, that doesn't really sound new to me. In fact, like we know that Jesus knows the Torah. I mean, he taught it, right? And so he's obviously aware of things like Leviticus 19.18 that says, love your neighbor as yourself. So this isn't any, that doesn't seem really new. So what does he mean by new? Well, we'll talk about a little bit more about what that means when he says it's a new commandment. But one aspect is that he's elevating its importance. What he's doing is he's, he, he's trying to help you understand its priority. This is it. Love is number one. You have to get this. The last thing I want to tell you is I want you to love. And so uh, maybe his urgency is heightened because he knows, he, said, he just said in verse 33, where, where I'm going, you cannot come. So I know that I'm about to go, and so there's this urgency. I just, I, you guys, you got to get this. I want you to know the number one thing, the most important thing, is that you would love. I feel this kind of urgency sometimes when I leave the house in the morning. And uh, there are days where uh, one or more of my children wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. And I know that this never happens in your house, uh, but sometimes you can just tell that they're like cranky and irritable and they're already like picking at one another and uh, they're starting to get cabin fever. And I just know that as soon as I leave, there's a high probability that tensions are going to rise, fights are going to break out. And, and so sometimes I sense the need to, to like pull them all in before I walk out the door and just like stop, stop. Like look up, look up, look up at me. Look me, look me in the eyes. Are you looking in me in the eyes? Okay. Be kind to one another. No fighting today. And if mom tells me that you are fighting, when I get back, I'm I'm trying to bring the weight of authority because I know I'm going to be gone for the rest of the day. My poor, beautiful wife is going to have to deal with this. And so I want this urgency. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is feeling here. He's like, guys, I know what's going to happen when I leave. I know you've been fighting and arguing over who's the greatest when you think that I'm not listening. So I can only imagine how you're going to treat one another when I'm gone. And so what he's trying to do is elevate this expectation. It's a command. I want you to love one another. And Harvest, I'm telling you, this is it. This is what we do. If we get anything, it has to be this that we would love. In fact, it's so important that... um, Jerome, one of the church fathers, shares a story from church tradition about the Apostle John who wrote this gospel. And John was preaching in the church in Ephesus until he was in his 90s. Can you believe that? God help me, I want to get there. That'd be awesome. He's preaching into his 90s. And in fact, he got so old and so frail that his disciples would have to carry him in. And, and, and he got to the point where he could barely even speak, but he, every week they'd, they'd, they'd carry him in and he'd, he'd lean up and he'd say, little children, love one another. And they'd carry him back out. And the next week they'd carry him back in. He'd lean up and he'd say, little children, love one another. And he kept saying it to the point where one of his disciples finally was like, why do you keep saying that? Like, why do you keep repeating the same thing every week? And he said, because it is the Lord's command. And if this alone be done, 
it is enough. This is it. This is what we do. Harvest, are we, are we committed to this command? Are we going to commit to Jesus' command to love no matter what? Look around for just a minute. Look at the people. I know this is super awkward to do this. Look in their eyes. Look at these people next to you. Are you committed to loving them? I just want to say, we've been praying around here that God would work. I think he's been answering that prayer. I think he's been answering that prayer because I see that he is knitting our hearts together in love. You sense that? I, I feel like some of the evidence of that is our small groups. I know that many of you have relationships with one another. It's kind of shocking. You're like, I didn't expect that. I didn't know that I was going to get so close to these people. I love them. I love my church. And then one of the other evidences is what happens here on Sunday mornings as soon as we're done with our service. I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes we're, we almost have to kick people out of here to get you out. It's, like, it's almost like you like each other. And I realize it's Sunday, so Chick-fil-A is closed, so you don't really have anything else to do. But it's kind of like we really enjoy being together. I think God is working in our church. He's answering this prayer, and we're growing in our love for one another. So I, I, I know that for some of you, you're in a really good place spiritually right now, and you've been coming to Harvest for a while, and you've made friends, and you like your small group, and and you don't really have any problem with people. And so you're like, sure, I can commit to that command. That's like, that's no problem. These, these people are great. I love them. You feel like that? Look up here, look up here. Wait for it. It's coming. It's going to get tough. And the reason it's going to get tough is because love does not come naturally to us. Really, we naturally love ourselves. As long as people are bringing us good and adding benefit to our lives and making us feel better, man, I'm totally cool with them then. But as soon as it gets tough and it gets difficult, and man, that's, I, I'm just telling you, it's because I'm selfish, then I struggle uh, to, to really love these people. And I have a really hard time loving people that are not like me and that threaten me and really have a hard time loving those people that hurt me. We love. This is what we do. But at some point, this is going to be threatened. Our love is going to be challenged. And we are going to face some rough seas together. And I'm asking, like, are you committed to Christ's command? Are you committed to love your church no matter what? There's a classic uh, reference to this kind of commitment in Homer's Odyssey. Many, many of you may Remember how Odysseus, when he was facing temptation, he lashed himself to the mast of his ship so that uh, he wouldn't go after temptation, so, so that he wouldn't steer in the wrong direction. He, he was so committed to escape this temptation that he literally tied himself to the mast like, I'm not going anywhere. And, and I wonder, is that like, do we have that kind of resolve? Do we have that kind of commitment that I would lash myself to the mast and say, I'm not moving. I am committed to this. I am going to love my church no matter what. And I know rough seas are coming. I know we're going to come into storms. I know it's going to threaten to throw me overboard. I know the temptation's going to come for me to jump ship and to run overboard. But I'm not going anywhere. I am committed to loving you 
no matter what. Do we have that kind of commitment here? Are we committed that we would tie ourselves to this? And this is it. What do we normally do when we give up the commitment to love? And we've seen people that give up that commitment. What, what do we do? We try to hurt people or we just walk away. Like, I don't have to take this anymore. Or, or like, I'm just not interested anymore. I've got other things that I'm, uh, I've got other things that I'm pursuing. And so, uh, you don't think that this happens in church? The temptation's coming, isn't it? How are you going to handle the rough seas? And instead of staying and loving, you will be tempted to jump ship and run. Especially when, like, it's not convenient. When it's not convenient. And it just takes so much time and it's hard to get the kids out the door and it's a far drive and, and I just got a lot of things going on and I don't really feel like I'm connected to anybody anymore and, and it's just hard to get to know them and I don't feel like there's anybody in my stage of life that really understands me. and Lash your heart to this mask that I am committed to love even when it's not convenient. And you're going to be tempted to jump ship and run when it's not cool. I know that like, uh, you know, there are times, there are seasons, praise God, there are seasons where we, we got new people coming in and it's exciting and it's, and it's fun and it's kind of popular and, and it's, man, it's easy to get on board when, it's, uh, when everybody else is doing it. I love that, but eventually, eventually the excitement and the newness can wear off and then you're going to realize that being a disciple's kind of a grind, isn't it? And then it gets really tough. Your commitment's going to be tested. Am I really going to love? Tie yourself down to Jesus' command. I am committed to loving even, even when it's not cool anymore. And you're also going to be tempted to jump ship and run when you get cut and it hurts. The longer you stick around here, the more you kind of put yourself out there and get to know people, uh, the more possibility you have of getting hurt. It's going to happen. And we're going to take a, a, a deeper look next week at what we do, how we respond, and how we uh, forgive one another. But don't give up the commitment just because someone hurts you. Lash your heart to the mast of Christ's command that I am committed to loving you even when I get cut and it hurts. Being committed to love means that I am hanging in there. I am putting you before me. We saw this last week. Essentially, we're saying you are better than me. You're better than me. You are more important than me. And I love you. And I want to seek your good. And I am committed to that. And I, think, I thought about our marriage vows. We take those pretty seriously, right? You've got to honor that commitment. But do we take our commitment to Christ's command to love His church just as seriously? Or is it just kind of like some suggestion that Jesus threw out there at the end or some ideal that He kind of hoped that we would live up to? Are we committed to this? Just imagine the kind of trust that we would have as a church if we all were just committed. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I love you. It's powerful when you can love somebody like that. It doesn't matter how hard it gets, how inconvenient, how many times I've made up, and let's just be honest, I make it really hard for you to love me sometimes. 
but that you would just resolve, I'm going to continue to love you no matter what. That's the kind of community that I want to be a part of. And I'm telling you, our world is lacking that kind of committed love. But it's found right here in the church of Jesus Christ. Because this is what we do. Somebody better be asking the question, how? We better be asking this question, how? Somebody come on and answer, ask that question. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked. Here it is. Uh, emulate his example. Emulate his example. 30, verse 34, you see it there. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. This is what actually makes the commandment new. Okay, it's like we knew that we were supposed to love. That's nothing new. But we never had this kind of example before. And, and we never had the power, the Holy Spirit, uh, this, under the new covenant, we have God's Spirit living inside of us, empowering us to carry it out so that we can obey. So, I, I mean, he's given us this awesome example to follow. I mean, think about it. He could, all Jesus really needs to do is say, like, you want to know what love looks like? Watch this. And then he goes to the cross. And what a fantastic example that we have from our Savior who gave himself for us. But I love, I love that he says this. Um, I have loved you. What an incredible truth. Do you know that? It's true. You are loved. God loved us so much that he would give his son. He sent Jesus to die for our sins. Took my place. So that if I just believe in him, I'm going to have eternal life. I get to spend my eternity with God. He loves me. And he loves me unconditionally. And it is true that um, you are wonderfully made. That is true. But we need to be careful with what I call uh, fluffy snowflake theology. You know what I'm talking about? Fluffy snowflake theology. Just like where, uh, just like no two snowflakes are the same, so you, there's nobody quite like you. You know that? Like that is true. Oh, that is true. Um, let's be careful that I don't start to think that the reason that God loves me is because I'm so lovable. Like anybody would have chosen me. I'm awesome. Like, of course, God loves me. No, 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 no. God loves me because He is love. And His love for me is grace. It is unmerited favor. I didn't do anything to earn it. I could never live up to His holiness. And if there was any kind of condition, if there was any kind of prerequisite to be met, I never would have met it. So I get His love, and that is grace. He doesn't say, if you clean up your act, if you can go five months without sinning or go to church every week this year, or if you'll volunteer at a soup kitchen or be a better husband or be a better wife or, or, or be a better mother, give 10% of your budget, if you'll just stop being a jerk to your neighbor, if you'll, if you'll pray every day this week, if you do some of those things, then I'll... That's not how it works. That's not how it works. There's no conditions. There's no prerequisites. He just loves us. So if we want to be a church that loves like Jesus, we're going to love no conditions, no prerequisites. You don't have to meet some standard. We're just going to love you. Pastor James McDonald has given us five 
love substitutes to watch out for, and then five supercharges that can make a radical difference in our relationships. So I just want to give these to you. Uh, first, watch out for these substitutes. This is what we're not after, okay? Here's, here's a substitute. Sentimentalism. Sentimentalism. This is ooey, gooey, hallmarky kind of L-O-V-E. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, let Just think about when you were a kid. Anybody have a crush on a boy or a girl in your class when you were a kid? Y'all are liars. I knew this happened. I know you did. I like We knew that like boys have, uh, they're just gross. Girls have cooties, right? But at some point, there was somebody that caused you to rebel against the boycott against the opposite sex, and you liked them, and maybe you got up enough courage to send a note through your friend, right? And that note would say something like, do you like me? Check yes or no. You know what I'm talking about? And then when we got a little bit older, we would send notes to the girls in youth group or from church camp. And those of us who are really, really brave and spiritual, we'd sign it at the bottom. We'd put a little heart on there. We'd say, love in Christ. (laughs) Jeff. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever wrote a love note to somebody that you are thoroughly embarrassed of now. Anybody? All right, it, 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 is, it is a reality. This, this is what we're not talking about. It's not love, okay? We're not going after feelings. Just because you feel sentimental about somebody does not necessarily mean that you're really loving them. And there are a lot of companies that make a lot of money on sentimentalism, but that's just not what we're looking for in the church. We want something so much more than just feelings, okay? So, Watch out for that substitute. That's not what we're after. Here's another one. Shallowness. Shallowness. This is I I love you. I like you. As long as it's easy. I kind of prefer this like surfacey. I don't have to get to know you too well. Don't have to get too close. Happy to shake your hand on Sunday morning. I'll kind of psych myself up on Sunday morning so that I can put a smile. Pretend that I really love you. But at the same time, like when it starts getting hard, I start having to sacrifice. Or if you start opening up and sharing stuff in small group, man, I'm out. I ain't sticking around for that. Like not interested. That's that surfacey, shallow kind of pathetic substitute for love. We, we just want so much more than that here. That's not what we're after. Here's another one. Sweetness. We love sweet people, don't we? We moved down to North Carolina for a few years, and we were introduced to the southern hospitality, that good culture down there. Love it. So thankful for that. And they, how, how many people had someone in your church, one of the old ladies, and they would start this, they'd always say this, uh, well, bless your yeah, the bless your heart, right? Right, And we love sweet people, thankful for sweet people. Listen, many of you are sweet, and you're some of our favorites. But just because you're sweet does not automatically mean that you're loving. Sometimes, being sweet is just masking fear of man. Like, I'm really afraid to step up and tell you the truth that you need to hear and you need something way more than just bless your heart. I'm not going to bless anybody's heart right into heaven. And so we're so thankful that you're sweet. If you have that, don't lose that. But it's got to be way more than that. We're looking for something much deeper. Here's another substitute. Selectiveness. Harvest, we have to be careful of 
I know you love your church. I know you're thankful for the people that you have around. But we're not going to get picky and choosy like I love you, but not you. And I love you and yeah, not happening. Like we're not doing that. We're not having any sense. And there's, there, there's no sense of like, I like my people, my group. I'm happy with this. Not interested in anybody else. We're just not going there. Has anybody ever felt like you're on the outside of a group? You know what that feels like, don't you? Like there's a group of people and they're so obviously, they love each other and they're really tight. And, 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 but, but it's pretty clear that you're not in. You are clearly on the outside looking in and you'd love to join them, but they just don't seem very interested in including you and really showing you any kind of love. Do you know that feeling? Lord God, help us not to be like that here. I know you love we want to love our small groups. We want to love these people, but we want our, our small groups to be welcoming. Anybody, everybody, we want you. There's no us for no more kind of attitude going on here. We want everybody to be here. We're not picking favorites. We're not going to get selective about who it is that we're going to love and who it's not. You might be tight with that group of people, and I'm thankful for that, but don't think that that's love if you're being selective and not including others. And I'm telling you, if you see that in this church, go after it. Because we don't want to treat people like that here. We love each other. We're going to welcome anybody. And we're going to go one step further. Not just welcome you, but we're going to love you. So we're not going to be selective. And then last, service. Service. Certainly, uh, serving people is a way that we can show love, but just because you're serving someone does not automatically mean that you're loving them. Think about Chick-fil-A again. Um, What do they always say at the end when they're serving you at Chick-fil-A? My pleasure. Love Chick-fil-A. I feel like we're spoiled. Like, it's really hard to go to any other fast food place ever because of the way they treat you. They have great people like that. But can we just be honest for a minute? That's not always true. They don't always feel like that, do they? Especially when it's somebody that's like really rude and demanding and just because they say it, just because they're serving you, doesn't really mean that they're loving you. And so we know that there can be all sorts of motivations for serving, but we want to serve people because we love them. We love and we need to watch our hearts on this. You can serve on the welcome team. You can Greet people that are coming in to our doors and not really love them, right? Like, happy to shake your hand, but bro, dude, I was not trying to get into a discussion. I just wanted to hand you a bulletin. That's all I wanted to do, right? Or you can serve faithfully and harvest kids, watch our little ones and not really love them. What's scary is that I could even preach God's Word to you and not really love you. God forbid that ever happen. I want to love you. We want to serve one another because we love. What a privilege it is to do that. So no substitutes, okay? We want genuine, deep love here. Here's uh, love supercharges. These will powerfully impact your love and relationships. This is how we can emulate the same selfless giving example of Jesus. Here's one. Listening. Listen. That takes work sometimes, doesn't it? Listening kills the me monster. It's really hard 
uh, to listen when you're selfish, when you're so focused on yourself that you're not really interested in hearing what anybody else has to say and paying attention to them. Listen, I'm working on this. I know I'm working on this. I hope you are too. Because we want to listen to one another. We want to care. We want to hear what's going on, what you're facing, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Are you working on that? Are you willing to listen? Because you love. Here's another. Grace. Extending grace. Man, this is so obviously emulating the example of Christ. And I think this is actually where we best demonstrate our willingness to love unconditionally. Isn't it? Like, this is how God treated me. And He's so patient with me. And He loves me. And time and again, He just keeps loving me. And He extends grace to me. And I want to love you. I want to help you. And I know you don't deserve it. But I love you. This is what we do. How about this? Believing. Believing. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love believes all things. And I just want to tell you, I've seen this work powerfully in hurting relationships. I've seen how husbands and wives needed to learn to believe the best about their spouse and their intentions instead of assuming the worst. Like, I'm just going to choose to believe that you dropped your socks and left them there and it wasn't because you were trying to ruin my world and make me miserable. I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm going to believe the best. I remember talking with a father who was so concerned about the, the choices that his son was making. But his son was a believer, so I was able to say, do you believe that God is in his life? Hey, I know that some of you are really concerned about some of the people and they're just going down the wrong path and and they're in a bad place. Can you just, if they know Christ, then the Spirit of God is living inside of them and can we just believe God's not done with them yet? Philippians chapter 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, what an encouraging thing to be able to turn to someone and say, I believe in you. I believe God's not done with you yet. I, I know you're not in a good place. You don't need to be here. We want to help you, but... I believe the better days are ahead. God is not done with you yet, and there is great hope. Man, love believes. And it's a powerful encouragement for those of us who are in need of unconditional love. And then this, limiting. Limiting. This means that I care about your holiness. And while it is true, love covers a multitude of sins, um, There are times where that pattern of sin in your life is so extremely destructive and unhealthy. You are hurting yourself and you are hurting others. And and, and 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. And so for your benefit, I'm willing to step up and and, and, call time out, time out, time out. We can't go here anymore. Uh, We're going to need to establish some limits. We need to put some boundaries so that you can pursue righteousness. You can't go this direction anymore. You need to go in a new direction. We need to see some new habits. And so I'm willing to step in and help put some limits there. We've got to be careful not to be motivated by selfishness there, but a deep concern for those people and for the best that God has for them. I realize that so much more could be said there. Lord willing, we'll have more time to unpack what that really looks like. But it's because we love them and we want them to grow in their holiness, right? Then this, sacrificing. Sacrificing. What could be more Christ-like? This is when I look at my time, I look at my resources, I look at the things that are more important to me, and I'm able to look at you and say, you know what? 
you are more important. And I can, I can lay this stuff down. Like, I can give that up. Because I love you and I want to help you. And I'm more concerned about you than what I have and what I can keep. So I'm willing to sacrifice. How can you make a sacrifice for your brother or sister this week? How can you lay something down and show them that you love them? You've got to commit to the command of Christ to be like Jesus and emulate his example. And then our last points right here in verse 35. Increase love's impact. Increase love's impact. You see it right here in verse 35. He says, by this, all people. How many people? All people. All people are going to know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They're going to know that we belong to Jesus and it's not just because we say we're Christians or we post something on Facebook or I have my Harvest Bible Chapel Fairfax bumper sticker on my car. That's not it. The reason they're going to know that we belong to Jesus is because they're going to feel the impact of our love. And what if we were a church that loved without condition? You think about what kind of impact that would have in our community. I'm telling you, word would get out. People would know. Imagine what Fairfax, Northern Virginia, how they'd respond. Those that are starved for genuine, deep love where people don't have to meet some criteria. They don't have to measure up to a certain status. They don't have to maintain some you know, persona to be accepted by people. But they could just be real. They could just come as they are. And they're going to be welcomed without judgment. And not only would we welcome in and say, we're so glad you're here, but we're going to take them one step further. We're going to love you no matter what. We're going to love without condition. There's only one place in the world that that's happening. And it's here in the church. This is what we do. We love without condition. God, would you help us? We so want to be that kind of community. We so want to experience that kind of grace. We, we think about what you have accomplished for us on the cross, how you sacrificed yourself. Would you make us more like you? that we would love no matter what. No conditions, no prerequisites. We're not picking and choosing. We welcome anybody. And if you want to be here, we're so glad you're here. And we welcome you without judging. And we are going to take it even further than that. We're going to love you. And we are tying our hearts to this mast. We are not going anywhere. We are committed to your command to love as you have loved. So God, make us a church like that. We just believe that that's going to make an incredible, incredible impact in our community. We know that people are starving for that kind of love. We want them to find it here because this is what we do. God, help us work in our church so it's true of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.